0: Straits brings legal and business insights at the intersection of the shipping and energy sectors. This podcast series offers trends, developments, challenges, and topics of interest from Reed Smith litigation, regulatory, and finance lawyers across our network of global offices. If you have any questions about the topics discussed on this podcast, please do contact our speakers.
1: Hello, and welcome to Reed Smith's Trading Straits podcast. And this is the second of two podcasts looking ahead to what may be in store in the LNG industry in, in 2022. In the first podcast, our colleagues James Atkin, Francis Furness, and Richard Swinburne discussed uh, what they expect to see from the LNG market in the year ahead from a production and trading point of view. And today, we're looking ahead to 2022 from an LNG shipping perspective. My name is Mike Adamson, and I'm councillor in London. I'm joined today by Kevin Keenan, a partner based in Houston, and Antonia Panidis, a partner in London. Antonia, to kick things off, looking back at 2021, any reflections?
2: Yes, thanks, Mike. Why don't we take stock of some of the defining events in 2021? One of the key topics has been, of course, the global energy crisis, which has been acutely felt in Europe. It was worrying to see that the peak gas storage levels in Europe's 2021 annual cycle was at the lowest it has been since 2013. And this is because supplies were drawn down over a longer Russian and European 2020 2021 winter season and European gas fields have lowered their production capacity over the past few years. So as you'd expect, low supply and huge demand drove up the price of LNG. Europe imports more than 70% of its natural gas, and Asia has been increasing its consumption of LNG. This, in combination with the economic recovery and global supply chain congestion, has led to an exceptionally strong market for LNG freight, as demand and supply factors have worked to increase competition over a limited supply. In turn, in shipping, this has resulted in a high demand for LNG vessels, And given that demand, any LNG carriers towards the end of their life in 2021 were kept in service and rechartered. Further, we saw a push for new builds to be delivered in 2021, which happened. And for context, there were around 640 LNG carriers in operation in 2020. And in 2021, we saw 55 LNG new build carriers delivered to the market. 2021 was a record year for new build deliveries and also new build orders. A record breaking 75 LNG carrier new build orders were placed in 2021. You know, Qatar Energy signed historic agreements in 2020 to secure slots reservations to produce more than 100 LNG vessels and in 2021 we saw the first orders coming to effect with yards in China and Korea and this is of course to complement its huge Northfield expansion project and more recently we've seen Japanese owner Mitsui Lines having been very active in the space and placed an order for six LNG carriers along with its JV partner Costco all against long-term charters. So there was a lot of activity in 2021. As lawyers in this field in 2021, we saw much more scrutiny and consideration being given to the drafting of the long-term charters. And we've been heavily involved in drafting those charters, but also advising clients who have current LNG charters in operation on issues such as off-hire provisions and termination rights. Also a key area clients sought advice on during 2021 was the upcoming emission regulations and potential modifications required to vessels. So that was 2021. Kevin, what's in store for 2022, do you think?
3: Yeah, thanks, Antonia. You know, I think the elephant in the room, so to speak, is really the current geopolitical landscape. What do I mean by that? Well, first and foremost, it's the looming supply crisis in Eastern Europe, driven by the threat of hostilities on the Russia-Ukraine border. While none of us knows exactly what'll happen there, uh, with the situation seemingly changing by the day, it's entirely possible that Russia could seriously curtail gas deliveries to Europe on a punitive basis, and or that Russian gas deliveries to Europe could be curtailed by European buyers, also for punitive reasons, albeit in reverse. If either happens, or frankly, if both of them happen, it would likely lead to a significant increase in European reliance on LNG shipments from the states from Qatar, and from other producing areas. In fact, the Qatari Emir was at the White House just two days ago, reportedly discussing with the Biden administration how Qatar gas might help fill the supply gap that would almost certainly ensue if things go south in Ukraine. More LNG shipments from the USA to Europe, because it's a shorter voyage than from the USA to Asia, could ease the growing imbalance of supply and demand in LNG shipping, as could an increase in deliveries from Qatar to Europe which is also a shorter voyage from Ras to many Asian buyers, but how the rest of the global market might adjust to those swings and what those adjustments might portend for the shipping market on a macro level. uh, If in fact, adjustments are even possible, given the current production that's tied up in long-term contracts is difficult to forecast, at least for us lawyers. In addition, with China U S relations having improved of late, at least compared to their rather frigid state during the last administration, there could also be more Chinese LNG demand from U.S. producers, increasing the demand for long-haul tonnage. But that assumes, amid rising tensions in the region, that conflict can be avoided between China and Taiwan. If not, such a conflict could alter Chinese demand for U.S. LNG or potentially U.S. exporters' ability to honor existing contracts, let alone their desire to enter new ones. And all of those possibilities come on the heels of the U.S. already being set without those potential market disruptors, to overtake Qatar in Australia and become the world's largest LNG producer in 2022. Astounding though it may be to those of us who started working in the LNG space when the U.S. was almost exclusively an LNG importer, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration, U.S. liquefaction facilities will liquefy and ship this year 11.5 billion cubic feet of gas per day. That's 22% of projected global LNG demand. And it's not only remarkable, it's market shifting.
2: Absolutely, Kevin. And all of that will only increase the already busy and growing spot market in the Atlantic and Pacific basins, which will impact charter rates. Increasing seaborne shipments will also see already busy trade lanes growing further and canal congestion increasing. The growing problem of canal congestion will have an impact if it continues at current levels. We already see wait times are as high as 11 days southbound and 7 days northbound for vessels with unreserved slots in Panama. So this was a huge issue in 2021 and doesn't look to be alleviated in 2022. Extended wait time to transit canals and port congestion affecting loading and unloading operations will curtail vessel availability further limiting supply of vessels, and pushing charter rates higher.
3: And all of that is against a backdrop, Antonia, where despite the uptick in new build orders last year, as you discussed, new build deliveries will be significantly less in 2022. And those new build deliveries will be significantly outpaced, we're told, by a robust increase in LNG demand, which means the impact on charter rates is one that will be most welcomed by owners, but not so much by charterers. And that's not all I think the charters might find troubling on the horizon. Though what I'm referring to in this case is not a cyclical problem driven by ever-competing supply and demand. No, this series of changes, when they occur, will have a permanent impact on the shipping industry as a whole. The only question in my mind at this point is who will it impact more, owners or charterers? The issue involves pending regulatory changes and early indications are that there could be significant impacts indeed.
1: Precisely. Um, As all those in the shipping industry are acutely aware at the moment, there are new regulations designed to help the efforts towards reducing greenhouse gas emissions scheduled to come into force on 1st January 2023. These are the Energy Efficiency Existing Ship Index, EXI, and the uh, Carbon Intensity Indicator, CII, regulations. The final versions of the regulations are still yet to be published, which has led to a little lack of certainty across the shipping industry. But there's a particular concern in the LNG shipping world, that the EAXI calculations were fixed by the IMO without taking into account boil off gas. Apparently, the uh, International Association of Classification societies is looking at the interplay between boil off gas and the regulations. However, there may not be guidance on this until at least the second half of the year. Clearly, that's, a, that's not, not ideal. But in, a, in any event, 2022 will certainly be a year where ship owners in particular will and should be looking at how they will be complying with the XI and CI regulations come, come 1st of January next year. Of course, how to comply will change from vessel to vessel, For some, uh, modifications may be required or or seen as ultimately the most cost-efficient solution, but for others, uh, slow steaming uh, may be necessary. While modern LNG carriers are likely to satisfy the the EXI requirements, uh, the same can't be said for steam turbine LNG carriers, which make up about a third of the LNG carrier trading fleet. Those vessels will likely need to make substantial power reductions in order to comply perhaps reducing their speeds to 15 or 15 and a half knots. Of course, uh, this will likely lead to issues under charter parties, given there's an obvious tension. Uh, If an owner needs to to slow steam to comply with the regulations, but in the process is in breach of its performance obligations. I think many ship owners and charters will therefore need to consider whether it's necessary to to renegotiate or agree additional terms in charter parties or else uh, maybe end up in disputes. Yeah, and
3: Mike, you raise very good points. This, in my mind, could have a huge impact on more than just existing charters, because when you start to change the speed on these ships, it can throw the entire fleet configuration of a project out of line. Fleet size in the dedicated point-to-point project model is, of course, a function of two things only. Distance from liquefaction to regas terminal, on the one hand, and speed, on the other hand. Any change in the speed to which these vessels can be ordered, or more accurately, any change in the speed at which these vessels can legally steam, and Mike, I use steam not in the context you used it a minute ago, but as a verb, could very well mean the difference between having and not having enough tonnage to move the required volume of LNG over the course of a multi-year project. For projects still in development, I think this can be taken into account and planned for. But for those already in service, this could force buyers with FOB contracts and sellers with X-SHIP contracts to seek additional tonnage, further exacerbating, in my mind, at least in the short term, already increasing charter rates. And that's only one element of the overall impact. Apart from fleet configuration, another question we don't yet have answers to is who pays for the retrofits?
1: Indeed, Kevin. Yeah. Which party pays for the for the retrofits when any modifications will... will probably depend on the terms of a particular charter party I and mean, often we would we would expect to see charter parties providing for owners to bear costs of modifications but you know, liability for modifications to comply with the new environmental regulations and of course related you know, issues such as off hire during modifications and and potentially the adjustment to performance warranties may actually be something which parties seek to negotiate we, we have seen and we've received more and more inquiries from ship owners and charterers seeking to make provision in their charters, whether under new charters or through amendments to existing charters, in order to be as prepared as possible for January 2023. This certainly would, would seem to me to be a sensible and prudent thing to do, uh, given the tensions between owners and charters that the new regulations may create. Uh, some parties, in my experience, are, are looking for bespoke clauses to deal with this uh, to include in their charters whereas others actually are planning on relying on the clauses produced by by bimco and bimco have already uh, issued a exi transition clause and and we understand that a, a further clause on the ci regulations is is expected this month but we'll have to see whether when that actually arrives
2: yes that's right mike bimco are also scheduled to publish a clause on emission trading systems ets imminently And this has become necessary where the EU has published draft revisions to the EU emissions trading systems as part of the European Green Deal, which will expand the scope of the ETS to the maritime sector. So it's not currently clear which party will be responsible for disclosing emissions data and buying additional allowances at auction whether it will be the ship owner or the charterer, but a recent draft of the amendments to the EU ETS legislation has indicated that it may be charterers, not owners, who should pay for the credits when the EU's carbon market is extended to shipping. And this is on the basis that it is charterers decisions such as what fuel to buy, where to sail and how fast that affects a ship's carbon dioxide emissions. Although the overriding concept at the international level is that the polluter pays, the allocation of cost between the parties, whether it be owner or, or the charterer, is of course a commercial decision where there is not yet a market standard position.
1: It certainly seems that there's going to be a requirement during during the coming year for and beyond for cooperation between ship owners and charterers and a willingness to respond to new regulations as new details emerge, um, if they're going to avoid issues arising
3: excellent well uh, antonio mike certainly set to be another interesting year i think that it is all the time we've got for today but we hope you'll keep an eye uh, out for our continuing series uh, of reed smith podcasts called trading straits where we'll continue to tackle current and developing issues in the lng space from development to trading to shipping uh, on behalf of all of us here at reed smith thanks very much for joining us Trading Straits is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is
0: Ali McArdle. For more information about Reed Smith's energy and natural resources or transportation practices, please email tradingstraits at reedsmith.com. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher and reedsmith.com, and our social media accounts at Reed Smith LLP on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.